The Glue, the podcast about business development, marketing and communications in professional services. So welcome to The Glue. I'm James Stringer, a former BD director and now trainer, consultant and coach on business development bids and offsites. This podcast is called The Glue because the BD marketing and communications teams in professional services are the glue that holds the whole thing together. This episode is about client listening and clients' experience of service. Every firm wants to be client-centric, in other words, to put clients at the heart of their business. This is a noble aim, but in my experience, fee earners who love to share client successes are much less willing to explore what went wrong and how we can improve. Surely we need to understand both successes and failure if we want to thrive. One way to do that is to implement client listening or client feedback. How do you convince the firm that this is a good way to understand more about their clients? Is its role to listen and learn or listen and sell? What methods of insight capture work best and who should gather it? To help me answer these questions, I'm joined by Tim Nightingale and David Tomley. Tim founded Nicest Consulting in 1994 with the aim of helping professional service firms become more client-focused. In the intervening quarter of a century, Nisus has worked for a wide range of law and accountancy firms, management and property consultancies, and an international engineering business. A client once described client listening as Tim's life work. Welcome to The Glue, Tim. Thanks very much, James. Nice to be here. David joined law firm Osborne Clark in 2012, taking up a BD role, and then a broader brief heading up the firm's client development programme. And he is now leading client development across the international firm, working with partners, sector and BD teams with the aim of helping it deliver a consistent one firm experience everywhere. Welcome to The Glue, David. Thanks, James, and great to be here. Tim, should client listening be an opportunity to sell or just be focused on getting feedback on client service? I'd say client listening should not be about an opportunity to sell. It is an opportunity to understand where there may be further opportunities to sell. But actually, it's really about understanding the client's perspective, the client's needs. And within that, their take on your service and how that might be improved. And when you're doing your client listening exercises on behalf of firms, do you keep an ear open for the opportunities to sell? Absolutely. Rarely does an interview go by where you do not identify some form of opportunity. Even when the client is being extremely critical, you can still find opportunities for our client to follow up on subsequently. And how do you deal with that? It's simple. We pass it on. And and that's the same applies when we're training in-house on how to do interviews, even when it's partners. We say, look, when that opportunity comes along, you've got to differentiate between the the selling process and the listening process. This is the listening process. You tell the client, you engage with the client and say, yep, that sounds right up our street. We'd love to talk to you about that. But can I take that offline and and come back to you on that? I just want to, I'm here to to listen. And David, if a firm is interested in setting up a client listening programme, what methods or arguments do you use to get a firm to set up a client listening programme? Well, you said in your introduction, James, that uh, firms are increasingly looking to take a a client-centric approach. And if a client-centric approach is being taken, it it really is putting 
clients right at the centre. And there has to be that buy-in right across the firm from the top down in terms of really wanting to understand clients, the relationship we have with them, and the experience that they, 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 they achieve through working with the professional services firm. And, you know, that needs to be a constant monitoring process, checking the temperature, doing the health checks. And there are many different ways in which that can be done. And it's not just, you know, an annual review. It's something that has to be an ongoing process and getting that depth of colour in terms of how the the relationship is uh, performing. And if you had to pass on one tip to our listeners around getting stakeholder buy-in, what would it be? If you're putting relationships first... The most important thing is is listening to clients and finding out how they're experiencing things because some way sometimes in the heat of the moment when you're busy working on a matter you're not necessarily you're focused on one particular thing you're not necessarily in tune with the relationship in the way perhaps you could be and managing a relationship and doing a piece of work are two associated things but need different approaches and is senior management buy-in critical? I think if we're talking about having a client-centric ap- approach across a firm, yes, it is. It has to involve the whole firm. And we're not just talking about the partners and the lawyers. We're literally talking about the whole firm. Everybody needs to be recognising that they have a role to play in terms of how the firm is perceived by their clients. So, Tim, you've worked with a range of professional service firms have you had experience of client listening actually influencing a firm's strategy and, and how have you seen that work when it does? I think the challenge, James, is that an awful lot of firms see client listening as a standalone exercise rather than a jigsaw piece in the strategic planning process. And of course, it can be used separately. You can do post-pitch reviews, post-transaction review, and it's just about that little that little piece of work and, and looking at that. But in the wider uh, point of view of, of listening to a cross-section of particularly key clients, it, that should plug into where the firm's going, where it's trying to go, and how it's going to get there. And have you had an experience of where strategies have been developed and client listening hasn't been taken into account? Yes, yeah, we had a really good example. It was a few years ago now, but um, we were working in a sector, wasn't the legal sector, and the client, uh, we were doing quite a big piece of research across an international firm, and uh, the board decided to publish their strategy before we finished the research. And we looked at the strategy which they were taking out and workshopping around around the firm. And we said, well, we don't think that that fits particularly well, but, you know, if you want to do that. So they went ahead and, and did that. And they had a declared intention to become the most innovative firm in their sector in over the next five years. And that was a worthy objective. But the reality was very clearly from our research was that they, when it came to innovation, they were regarded as a laggard. And I suppose this is the uh, first opportunity to talk about how do you deliver bad news, therefore, because presumably after that research piece, the outcome was not as management would have liked it to be. How did you deal with that? They took it on the chin. They were fine. There was no denial. They accepted the point that our evidence was really, really clear on this. So there wasn't any real debate. And they just had to go uh, bite the bullet and, and change that. In the context of a partnership, one has to be very careful in 
delivering bad news, particularly with lawyers, because they can, they'll obviously argue anything to the nth degree. So you've got to be able to present that evidence really very carefully, build it up. And there needs to be a balance of, of good news and bad news. And you need to let them get to a point where they almost draw their own conclusions from it, rather than us trying to hammer it into them. And David, you've been with your current firm for quite a long time. Has client listening changed some of the strategic uh, intent or direction of, of the firm? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, I think uh, where we found it most useful is from the point of view of conducting our biannual full client survey right across the whole client base. And that gives us a, a very clear picture of what the client sentiment is at that time, whether it's a reflection of the, the, the state of the economy, what's happening in the market, their view of law firms in general. And from our point of view, it's also a benchmarking exercise so we can see how we perform against our peers. So pulling all that together really does start to influence our strategy and what we need to do. But equally, you know, are we on the right track? Is there anything that we're missing? And if so, what is it? And how can we adjust and you know, be better prepared to uh, address the needs of our clients? So let's say we've been successful and we've convinced management that we need a client listening program the next question is well how are we going to collect that uh, information from clients what ways have you had experience of both of you and uh, which ones are most appropriate uh, for certain situations david do you want to start yeah i mean we call it client listening don't we and you know we should be listening all the time and i think that's the point Uh, we're not just looking at you know perhaps doing an annual survey or a periodic review with a client it's how do you collect that massive information and bring it all together so you've got that constant view of what's changing. So, you, you know, the starting point may be just, you know, a client conversation over a phone. And it's important that that data, that information is, is shared. It's not just for one person to hear, it's for, what, it's for a wider audience. Similarly, there may be a client relationship meeting, a post-matter review, or perhaps, you know, a more intense, full um client uh, interview with which in our case we will occasionally do either with a senior head of department a sex leader or perhaps one of the management team and on occasions we'll then use third party uh, firm to to actually conduct uh, research on our behalf so that's using people have you had experience of using technology to to collect client insight yes certainly i mean increasingly we're using technology um when we conduct a large-scale listening program, I think we can only achieve that level of reach and efficiency by using technology. So, you know, clients are very keen to to give us their feedback, but they want us to do it in a way that's efficient of their time too. So, uh, we'll design a survey which uh, you know is is easier for a client to respond to in their own time, but equally ask some searching questions so that they feel they're actually influencing the way that we work with them. Tim. We started using online surveys, I think, in circa 2011, 2012, something like that. And then you gather the data on things like the Net Promoter Score and you get those benchmarks. And really, it's a, it's up until then, we've been doing what in effect was qualitative research. And now you're moving to uh, the ability to be able to use quant. And with some clients, they're uh, using both. So you get the depth and the insights from the personal interviews these days, usually via Teams or Zoom. And then the online, 
you can go out to a thousand, two thousand clients, or maybe only a couple of hundred clients, but you still get enough data back that you can then just not look at the firm as a whole, but you can break it down, whether that's by office, by country, uh, by practice area, by market sector. And that really gives you some. Uh, insightful management information, particularly when it's combined with what clients are actually saying, those senior clients that you've invested the time and money in, in interviewing personally. And if you had to summarise what senior clients generally talk about when they're given the opportunity to, to talk about professional service firm, what are the topics that normally come up? I think there are the basics, which is always important to get right. You know, key to that is communication. You know, are we communicating with the clients on a regular basis? You know, they, they have this real feeling that they want their law firms to be very much uh, a part of their business and really understand the challenges they have, what they're dealing with on a day-to-day basis. And time and time again, it, the comments come back, you know, I want to know that you really know what my business challenges are, that you're sort of living it with me, you're feeling these too. So that's always key and it's, it's always a useful reminder to have the client tell us that. Um, I think equally, it's they're looking for us to share market knowledge and insights. Uh, that they regard that as being, you know, one of the assets that we bring to them because we're out there in the market. They want us to share some of that. Okay, so we talked about the big picture questions around client listening. I think we all agree that it's a good idea if you want to be a client-centric firm. So putting the ideas into practice, question for you, Tim. Who, in your opinion, is best placed to gather feedback from a client? Well, David touched earlier on the idea that that it, it shouldn't just be one person, whether that's in-house or, or out-of-house. And, and I completely agree with that. We've always come to this from the point of view that we exist as a business, in part because the law firm business model demands that partners are very, very focused on bringing the income in, and, and, and that's understandable. So if they are focused on achieving the, the targets that they're set and that those are stiff targets, then there isn't, that doesn't necessarily leave the sort of time to do the feedback themselves or engage with the clients themselves. So that leaves us an opportunity because we can do it more cost-effectively and, and, and that's what we do with specialists in that area. But in terms of doing specific feedback on maybe on a transaction um, or even just a client review, uh, we'd say that there is a significant conflict of interest there because the client is unlikely to be comfortable giving that kind of constructive criticism to somebody who, who's involved in that. So there is an advantage in outsourcing it from that point of view because it is you know, giving it to somebody independent makes it easier and they also have the opportunity to voice or express some opinions on an anonymous basis should they so wish. So independence is key. Is there an opportunity for members of the BDM marketing team, David, to play a part in client listening? There is an opportunity, but I think it's important that um, if we're going to be, if we use members of the sales and marketing team, that they're trained to take on that role because it's, it's not an easy role. It's not just a case of asking a set series of questions and listening to the answers and recording them. 
It's be, being able to analyse the, the responses on the spot and perhaps knowing when to dig a little bit deeper to get to the heart of any issues that there may be. So it does require somebody who's had the necessary training and developed the skills that are required to make that an effective process. I think similarly, there's a whole spectrum here in terms of the types of interviews that you can, you can have and the, the types of listening that you can engage in. And certainly if you're looking at you know, the resource we have across the firm, the conversation that a managing partner may have with a client is going to be quite different to the conversation that you know a senior law, lawyer may have with with the client. And equally, from the client point of view, they value the different types of conversation because equally, they get a lot of different things out of those conversations. So, we need to deploy our resources in the right way in terms of giving clients have better experience through the whole listening process. And from my experience, one of the challenges is explaining to the partner who's perhaps the subject of the client listening that they shouldn't be that person to lead the client listening. Tim, what kind of arguments do you deploy when that's the stock answer? That you're not going to get the information that you're setting out to collect. You're not necessarily going to get that. And I think the other thing is partners aren't necessarily trained to be good interviewers, they're trained to be fantastic lawyers, and the two don't necessarily sit comfortably together. So if you want to capture that feedback and you want it to be honest and you want it to be insightful, valuable to the firm, you shouldn't be using the people who are invested in delivering the service. David, any views on persuading partners that it's a good idea to let someone independent at their client? I think there's a common sense approach here, isn't there? I mean, I think they, they've got to take a, a reasonable view that somebody else talking to the client on their behalf effectively is going to get, uh, you know, perhaps a, a different picture than they would uh, they would elicit from a conversation with a client. And I think there's too much baggage there. There's too much history uh, in terms of you, if you really want an objective view on the relationship, you really ideally need somebody else to have that conversation the partners in conversation with the clients on a day-to-day basis, they'll have a rapport, they'll have a, a rhythm of conversation that they're used to. And you, you really need to step out of that and perhaps look at things from a different angle. And Tim, you've mentioned to me before that one of the essentials is that if you ask a client for feedback, that you actively show that you've listened to it and do something about it. How, how essential is that? I think that's, you know, that's really a base point, isn't it, James? I, I've even had it this year where I contacted um, the general counsel in in Europe who'd been contacted by my client and I was contacting him to see if he would take part in an interview and he said, last time I did this with you was about four years ago, I made some criticisms, nothing's changed, so a bit of a waste of my time taking part, so no thanks. And that leads on to my next question really, which is how do you make changes that have been identified actually stick very good question. I, mean, I think, you know, if you if you consider that you do a survey, you get the results and you review those and you draw a conclusion, it's got to go much, much further than that. And certainly the way we approach it is that, you know, first of all, we have the direct feedback between the the partner and the client. There is, there is discussion amongst the client team in terms of how they can respond to the the, the input that we're getting, the feedback that we're getting from clients about relationships, and then more widely at a practice level, really analysing the data that we've received so that we can you know, influence and 
adjust our strategy where it's where that's required. So it becomes a whole firm exercise and probably goes on for at least six months beyond the results coming in in terms of adjusting what we do and and playing back to clients the feedback that we've received and how we're going to respond to it. My final question, I suppose, is any tips on handling bad feedback? I once had to give bad feedback to a very senior partner following a pitch and I think that was one of the most challenging experiences I had in my time working in, in a professional service firm. Tim, how do you handle it? My lasting memory on this is a is a, a large firm that we worked for uh, a good while ago, and we hadn't worked for them before. And the brief was to do, uh, I think, circa 20 interviews in very short order amongst key clients and then present at their annual partner conference so I went along and did that, and I think I was presenting to about 300 people. And I had to give them some fairly hard messages because this was a, a very premium, very well-known brand. And yet it, it what the client said was not aligning with their perception of who they were and what they were. And I think I got the balance of that wrong because they didn't take, they initially took it very well. But I think the acid test was that we didn't work for them again because they didn't like the message. And so it is a, it is a challenging thing to do. But inevitably, you still, if, if there is bad news, you've got to hand it over and you can couch it in terms of the positive things they can do to turn this around. So make it practical. It's, I always say this is never, this is not an academic exercise. This is about retaining and building, reassuring client relationships in order that they are, uh, you improve longevity and profitability. That's the bottom line on what we're doing with this. It's not a quality assurance exercise. So within that, communicating bad news has to be handled with kid gloves. Do you agree, David? Yeah, there's always going to be sensitivity here, but at the same time, there's got to be honesty and self-awareness from the point of view of the partner concerned. And I think it's it's working through that feedback and really trying to understand what the root cause of any uh, bad feedback is all about. And really, you know, is there a solution here and what is that solution? And it may be that some of these things can be resolved quite easily, but it's really, it's, it's really getting starting from that point of honesty. And I think if, if anybody's trying to sort of shade a cloud over anything it's not going to work the last thing i want to do on this episode is to thank my guests tim nightingale and david tomley thank you tim pleasure really enjoyed it david thank you very much thanks david. it's been a really interesting conversation we have exciting plans for future episodes so please look out for updates from me on linkedin You can find other episodes of The Glue on Spotify and Google Podcasts. And please follow me on Spotify so you don't miss any. Goodbye.